time for the sports show for guys who know sports. Texarkana's longest-running sports talk show, In the Yard, with Zach and the Professor on 107.9, The Fan. Well, 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 good afternoon, everybody. Five o'clock here on Leaving the Yard. Zang of the Professor on the Fan 1079. Yesterday, we had big news about LaMichael James, college football Hall of Fame inductee soon. Today, we just go even bigger. We keep going bigger. I don't know what we're doing. What are we doing tomorrow? We're taking the day off. Know, uh, <laughs> you know, TJ Coe, while we're on the subject of awards, I don't know if yeah. you saw this. Uh, State of Arkansas now has the McFadden Award for the top running back in the state every year. Really? TJ Coe from Washita, uh, formerly of Pleasant Grove. Yeah. He's just been named the McFadden Award winner. That's so a pretty that's big pretty deal. Cool. So that's a pretty big he was, deal. He was fifth in the country in the whatever the Harlan Award or whatever for mm-hmm. the outstanding player. Yeah. But yeah, he's the D two version of yeah. the Heisman. Yeah, and he yeah. was fifth in the voting, but he's he picked up another piece of hardware today. Not a bad, uh, yeah. not a bad career. The voice you're hearing, by the way, for those who aren't on Facebook on the radio, the voice you're hearing, you should know him. He's been in here a bunch the last few years. Rick Minter is joining us today, one of the coaches for the University of Michigan, who had a yeah. a, a whale of a season. We Congratulations! Yeah, I appreciate it. It's good to be back home. Obviously, yes. Uh, hanging out with my mom, my brothers, and uh, wishing my brother Mike well. He's been in the hospital the last few days. But uh, all in all, it's been great. It's been good to be home. We had a great year, 13-0, and 0, oh, until yeah. we showed up in the Fiesta Bowl and can't explain exactly what happened. Certainly congrats to TCU for pulling it off, but uh, wouldn't characteristically our kind of game. No. And uh, we let it get away. But, you know, looking back on it, we're not going to let one game taint our season. It's 13-1, going to be finished in the top two or three, and – it was a good year. It was fun being in for the ride with Jesse at, um, running the defense. And, Darn right. You know, the accomplishments we made. We were a top-five team in most categories on defense. So it was, it was a good, fun ride. You go 13 and you go to the national semifinals. That's – I mean, that, what, what are you going to do? You, you're one game away from the promised land. Well, that That's was the, the most disappointing part of, of how we played or didn't play was losing the opportunity to play last night. Right. That was the – that was the end all, was to measure yourself against uh, a Georgia team now that's a national t- champion and see what we could do. And uh, the speculation would always be, when will you get that next chance sure. to do that? Uh, so that was the price we paid. You know, again, TCU earned it. They got there. They got measured. And uh wasn't very good, but they got measured. <laughs> and uh, the old coordinator at Georgia, congrats to him. He's a good friend of mine. He was my GA at Notre Dame in 1992. Really? Uh, Todd Munkin. Yeah. And he was a, a, a co-nominee uh, with Jesse for the Brawls Award. So I saw Todd a month ago. It was good to connect with him. But uh, I was happy for them. I mean, I would have been happy either way. We didn't have a dog in the fight. Pardon the pun. I guess we did have a dog <laughs> in the fight. But... Uh, I was happy for Georgia simply because I could be measured against the best, and I do think that they are the best without question, and we'd like to have had the opportunity to play them maybe next time. I'll tell you what, they fired on all cylinders. I, I don't know if TCU got a little big-eyed walking out there where Georgia – can you replicate national championship experience? I mean, this, the national semifinal is pretty close. Right. I mean, it's the two biggest games of the day oh, yeah, that right. weekend. This is the one biggest game in the country – uh, last night, but if you hadn't been there, 
I could see where you're you know, a little bit big-eyed. That might have been out. a factor early, right? Just kind of the shock factor that they were firing on all cylinders early, so they got the lead. So that took the little bit of the ball out of the hands of the running backs at TCU. They right. couldn't zero in on running the ball like they were able to do against us because the scores early on were reversed. And uh, but you know, I, like I said, I text Todd and he says, you know, if you ever wake up one of these days where the gods are just in your favor on every call you make, that's kind of how he felt last night. They just kind of got in that groove and everything worked. And uh, he is a great coach. And Stetson Bennett, of course, was a great field general. Congrats to him. Two-time now national yeah. champion guy, kind of up there now with the Herschel Walkers in yeah. Georgia folklore. Or, or folklore. But uh, so, you know, again, we, you know, as, as a blue blood at Michigan, we don't need to be pulling for these other schools. No, but no. just as a fan of college football, I was happy for Georgia. You yeah, know. We, we were talking about LaMichael getting into the College Football Hall of Fame. Stetson Bennett's got two national championship yeah, quarterback wins. He'll be in there someday. Yeah, I would think that's a, that's a lock. That's a, that's a guarantee. Yeah. You know, People don't give that kid enough credit. I remember uh, at Vanderbilt last year with Jesse, it was right about the time a couple of things happened to the Georgia team. It was the coming out party for Brock Bowers as he unloaded on us at Vanderbilt. But also it was right about that time where they were trying to make those decisions between Daniels and Stetson Bennett. And then since then it's just been – I guess he's lost one game since then, and that would be the uh, Alabama game. And then they turned it around, and now they ran the table this year, fifteen and zero. And and he just looked effortless in everything he does. It's a great uh, sign or or a great uh, uh, answer to being consistent and your continuity in your program. And Todd's been there now two or three years, and kids know that offense, and he's very very good and schemes it up. And and they were just hitting on all cylinders. Did you see the stat today that? uh... Stetson Bennett the fourth and Lamar Jackson are the same age. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's Jeez. crazy. You know, that's what's uh red shirting and the and COVID has done to a yeah. lot of the ages of college football kids, you know, where they get those six years and sometimes even more if you apply for this or that and the, and the NCAA is very forgiving right now and all these things because they have no power, right? So they say, Oh, you want another year? Here, take another year. <laughs> but uh I know they got it rolling down there. You know, I I, I was Kind of watching the game, obviously, uh, but in and out with the, uh, the, you know, the halftime stuff. And I saw Nick on the on the set. And I didn't know they were going to have him on the set. And I, as soon as I saw him, I'm thinking, well, I wonder how this is going to go, you know, just in general. Sure. And then you stick uh, David right beside him, who is a Georgia grad, and kind of <laughs> blurts things out many times in his commentary. David Pollock. Yeah, yeah David Pollock. And, uh, I mean, Nick had to be nervous as, you know what, in church – sitting there, period, at this game, watching Georgia, particularly as it unfolded. Oh, yeah. And, and then became the blowout that it did. He's got to sit there and hear all these people do nothing but pass accolades to Kirby Smart and to Georgia. Now, if Nick would be retired by now, he could he could relish in some of that because sure. that's his guy. Sure. But he's not. <laughs> and I know why they had him on. Certainly a good a good choice to have on, but... That's a no win for him. Well, and Pollock's commentary was, this is the new team taking over college football right. in front of Nick Saban. Which, I don't think David was wrong. No, no. Okay. Uh, but I felt for Nick in that moment because you can't just do a comebacker. You know, like, shut the hell up, David. You don't know what you're talking <laughs> or about. we'll see next yeah, year. we'll see next year. Couldn't get into that. You can wave all his rings in front yeah, of him and say, you know, really, what are you saying there? Yeah, I can't I mean, hear you. I got two, I got six, you know, or seven, whatever, you know. But... Uh, <laughs> 
But I, I felt for Nick in that situation. I mean, he's not a real comfortable speaker anyway. And then you put him in that venue with Georgia just raining down touchdowns after <laughs> touchdown. They were, what, six for six in the first yeah. half on every oh, time yeah. they touched yeah. the ball, they got points. Yes. But uh, it, it could have been as bad as they really wanted it to be. And it and it was bad, 65. <laughs> but I mean, I they could have. They could have avoided. Well, they could have not gone taking a knee at the very end of the game, <laughs> or could have kept some starters in a little That's longer. Right. I they thought it was really good the way easy. he did the curtain calls, yeah. and yeah. all those kids deserve it. And you know, I don't feel bad for Nick though. As much as I love Nick, and I do, I, I don't feel bad. I mean, not I, at I, all. I, this is a great motivator. If you're the head coach of Alabama and you're the kids in this program and you're that staff and your guys sitting there, yeah. having to hear that on a national audience, oh, yeah. you know, broadcast a, a game, that's pretty good motivation to want to claim your crown back. But just when you know, and I was guilty myself back in uh, the fall as you know they had a couple of losses and and you got uh, Bryce Young and Will Anderson and and those guys on their way out now. And you don't hear about too much of this next wave. And when Bryce missed time, they threw that quarterback out there for Alabama. I mean, that guy's got a lot of great improving to do to be one of those recent heirs to the throne at Alabama if they want to win. There's rumors that he might lose Bill O'Brien, you know, maybe back to the Patriots or something. But uh, just when you think the walls are caving in, you know, you got Kirby and – and the Florida coach to the east, you got BK and Jimbo to the west, and Josh Heupel to the north. I mean, it is kind of closing in on him. And then Lane, just <laughs> the pain in the rear guy. And then. Uh, and we're going to add but, Texas and Oklahoma in this yeah, eventually, too. You're, right? you're thinking the walls are closing in. All he does is turn around and have the number one recruiting class. Well, sure. I mean, well, Nick's still alive and well. As I've been saying all year, he lost on the road by what, a point, point. in Tennessee? Yep. Yep. And he lost on the road by another point. point. And I know the Texas game, he was lucky to get out of town with a win. But still, Tennessee, when their quarterback was healthy, was as good as anybody in the country, I thought. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there were some good teams, and they're only getting better in the SEC because LSU's on their way up. Uh, We can talk about it later with Jimbo hiring Petrino. That could be a good thing in terms of X's and O's because Bobby's a great coach. Yeah. so that league's only getting better, more competitive, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, but how no, much better can it get? Well, we're talking about Tennessee two-time finally that, bounced back. They've I been know, dormant for what ten or fifteen years. Gosh, you can't. Everybody can't be LSU an didn't go away. They, well, Kentucky I've wasn't bad. Mark Stoops has as good a job right. as you can do at Kentucky. I mean, uh, you get up there that nine and ten win. Yes. Mark. Uh, Sam Pittman jumped in there for a year or two with seven eight, and then all of a sudden. Everybody else got better, and little, they slid back. I'm a little worried about the defections out of that program. Yeah. A lot of guys are joining the portal. We talked about that a couple of days ago, that that defensive side of the ball, there's a lot of bodies that are going someplace Some of them they else. might want to go. Sure. Oh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the transferring scheme, they, they're going from a three-down front into a four-down front. And some of those kids really probably ought to find another place to go that might not fit that exact new scheme with right, that uh, right. Travis Williams is going to run. And I'm waiting to see what he does. I mean, he's kind of a young star on the block of uh, defense. I remember a couple of years ago, that was a name at Auburn that Jesse and I were talking about looking for a minority linebacker coach mm-hmm. to come to Vanderbilt. Then all of a sudden he stays at Auburn, then he goes with Gus, Boom, boom. Now, all of a sudden, he's a D.C. at uh, Arkansas. So, we have to wait and see. He's a Kevin Steele protege. Uh, he knows football. 
But uh, it'd be interesting to see. It's hard to be a three-down line team in the SEC, just how yeah. big, strong, physical they are. I think TCU figured that out last night. Well, we thought they'd figure it out, too. You know? <laughs> I mean, that was really, the, the looking back on our game, what everybody thought was Big Ten, same principle, right. against Big 12, the game would be won in the trenches. Right. Well, it was. Not how you thought it was going to be. Not how we though. thought. It really was. I mean, yeah. they, they kind of hit us in the sure. mouth a little bit. Yeah. And uh, slowed down our runs. You know, we made a few runs, but they slowed us down, made us throw the ball. And uh, but anyway, that's that's kind of in the rearview mirror now. But but that's kind of what we thought it would happen. We kind of run rough shot over, sure. them and that they couldn't run the ball on our front, and that wasn't exactly true. And uh, but they did find out last night what big boy ball is all about. You know. Well, and you guys play big boy ball. I, I, I just think they walked into that game with maybe a little different, certainly different than last night. They walked in last night, it looked a little scared. I don't think they had that the, the week before. I think, you know, I almost think they played their national championship game the week before. And can you get up twice in a row for two outstanding yeah. teams back to back weeks? That's you know, pretty the hard events task. early in the game is what propelled them, and they got going with it. Right. Um, we lost by six points. You know, either side of the ball right, could right. have bailed out either side of the ball, yeah, and we'd be happy. a questionable call on a catch down by the goal line. Yeah, I mean, that is a questionable call. We got screwed on that. But if you can't make a six, a one know, foot on four plays, right? Well, we turned it over on the first play. Yeah. So, yeah, in the end, yeah, you could say that was the seven points, you know. Right. Uh, or either of the pick sixes was, you know, we go on and well, on. You're talking about the pick six. Now, you talked about the early events in that yeah. ball game. Everybody knows offenses – sometimes have to change direction when they fall behind. You mentioned having to start passing. As a defense, did you guys have to change what you'd originally planned going in after they get the pick six and they get up? Or or do you say, oh, this is what we're going to do coming in? By the score being what it was, we just allowed them to believe they could slow the game down maybe a little bit and start running the ball. And then they hit us on a few plays and they were able to keep coming back to a few plays. And then missed tackles and bowl game preps and you know, I mean, we we're just inches away, and we miss a tackle here, miss a tackle there. But you don't feel like, oh, man, we, we need to bring more pressure? Or, no, in fact, know. most of the runs occurred with pressure. Uh, they just kind of hit a crease. Maybe a guy misses a tackle. You don't have as much of a backstop, and before you know it, it's gone 60 yards on us. So, you know, yeah, you might like one or two back in the ball game, but, you know, we got good guys up front. We rushed for 85 yards a game this year on our defense, top five in the country. Every defensive category, we were top five. We just did not play that way. And, again, I don't ever say that to sour milk and no. take anything away from your opponent. TCU did a nice job on us. But it was so uncharacteristic of how the entire Michigan program played on that night. Again, to give t- kudos to TCU. But the way the Michigan team played, turned the ball over for touchdowns, turned the ball on first and goal inside, not converted on fourth downs, uh, and us allowing the running game to, to hit us hard, that's not – who we were for 13 games and I can't explain why we were on that day but uh, we just learn from it move on and eyes forward and hope Jim stays and you know go from there and do it all over oh, again you, you put us in a great spot to tease a second segment so we'll take a break right here Trick <laughs> sure. Minner that you're hearing he's a, a defensive coach for the University of Michigan as Wolverines made it to the national semifinals where, uh, as he said, they got knocked out by TCU, but a heck of a year, 13-win season. And uh, I, I think they came out with the final season uh, rankings today, didn't they? I yeah. hadn't seen, but yeah, I think so they did. And Michigan, Michigan finishes comes in third. third. Yeah, so there third, you go. Yep. 
We'll take the break. We'll come right back. Somewhere in there is a conversation about Ohio State and Michigan. Your first time to live through one of those. Yep. We'll come back and talk about that and more here on Leaving the Yard. Zach and the Professor on the fan, 107.9. is the key to success. They weren't wrong. It's consistently smooth, consistently refreshing, and consistently light. Just find that the mood of success can be pretty enjoyable. Ultra. Some taste of refreshment and we took Pilton's carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. It was basically Ultra Beats in Missouri. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I'm an assistant to help you out because only you can prevent wildfires hey assistant smoky bear call me papa bear because i'm grilling up dinner (laughs) do you get it yes good job so what should i do with all these coals don't just toss them out put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire i understand the stakes are high ha 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 learn more at smokybear.com brought to you by the u.s forest service your state forester and the ad council Today we decided to walk to school. At the corner, we waited to cross the street. The stoplight counted down. 15, 14. 31? I mean, 13? We took a left on Carroll Garden Street. Garden Street? Loud music was coming from a car. Danny's a smart kid, but he gets so distracted. There were so many other sounds. I didn't know what to focus on. Danny, earth to Danny. Suddenly, he realized he forgot his homework again. I left my homework on the table. At the school steps, we hugged goodbye. I really hope he doesn't have another bad day at school today. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free online resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Get personalized recommendations, practical tips, access to experts, and more. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. At 30 down at the bottom, 30 more at the top. All invisible set and little ice cube blocks. If they call it a drink, call it a smile on the rocks. If they call out a price, let's say I call out a price. All right, welcome back. We got 18 after 5 o'clock leaving the yard. Zach and the Professor here on the Fan 1079. We are uh, reminding you, we got Texas High basketball coming up tonight. Key Shooty and uh, Jack Martin going to be down in Longview. Former Razorbacks coach Sam Weaver and his Lobos taking on the Tigers tonight. 7.30 is the start time officially, but uh, Keith's kind of hinting it may be closer to 7 o'clock. Now, do uh, Tyler Earl have the uh, LEPG game on tonight? I reached out, and apparently it will be on LETV, but I don't know they're broadcasting here. Tyler said he had another engagement, whatever right. that meant. All right. So. He's big dog in us, that's what he's saying. Probably so. All right. Speaking All right. about big dog, Rick Minner in here this afternoon we, uh, every time we have him in, it's uh, Master Class 101. We tell you that over and over again. You get an hour with Rick that you uh, just ought to relish because we learn so much every time we got you in the studio, and it's great to have you in again. You got you got your first taste of Ohio State-Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. You've been involved in big rivalry games yep. in the past. Sure. How big is this one in that, uh, it's in as that big list? As, I mean, it really is as big as it gets around the entire country. I've been in. Arkansas, Texas. I've been in North Carolina, North Carolina State, Notre Dame, SC, Notre Dame, Michigan. Yeah. Been in a lot of big ones. Yeah. 
But uh, the Ohio State-Michigan game about as big as it gets. I mean, uh, you got two fa- uh, passionate fan bases and states n- near each other. You've got people who don't even refer to the name of the school as the <laughs> other name. School. <laughs> you know, we're that school up north, right. and they're Ohio. <laughs> we don't even New give them the State. respect to say the Ohio. <laughs> so, no, there's no love lost. But, you know, it all started with Woody Hayes. Yeah. Bo Schembechler yeah. was on his staff. Then it goes around, goes to Miami, Ohio in 69 comes to ann arbor and that's what started michigan football as most people know it today went for 20 under bow went to moeller five years domination went to lloyd carr 12 or 13 years and then they hit that spell with other michigan coaches but also the evolution of ohio state getting uh jim trestle kind of got on a roll and then of course urban and now ryan day so those are all really good football coaches and it was a lean 20-year period, let's say, where we were only a couple of wins with 16, 17, 18 losses against, against that them. team down south, okay? <laughs> but, um, you know, those on the, in the know, when we went through COVID of 2020 and they had that rem, um, shortened season and right, everything, right. we did not play Ohio, okay? And then going into the 21, Jim and offensive staff – truly revamped and then on defense he got rid of his guy and brought in Mike McDonald from the Ravens and revamped I mean so the way Jim began to look at how you play the game period uh, umbrella defenses four-man fronts uh, sound football technique fundamental don't give up the big play that they had learned to do with the previous staff on defense and then on offense commit to the running game I mean just flat out commit to the running game uh, you know, we do inside what you call inside run drill most every day that we're in pads. I mean, a lot of people don't anymore, right? right. You kind of don't hit, don't hit, don't right, hit. Right. Uh, we hit every Tuesday during practice, and during the spring, it's every day that we're allowed to hit. And when we do our inside run drill, we call it the Ohio drill. And it's a mindset then that you're trying to establish with your players about how being physical is the key to success at Michigan. And that really has been the key to our success of now beating soundly Ohio State two years in a row was being more out physical. We're out physical in that team right now. Right. You had the Quorum kid this year get hurt. Um, how problematic did that become for Michigan? You know, it really wasn't an over big, uh, overly big problem. You lost a great talent, All-American, possible Heisman winner. Uh, the number one running back in the country would have gone probably 2,000 yards, you know, had things stayed normal. But the depth of our running back stable was that Bla- uh, that uh, Donovan Edwards steps up. just a- And a faster running back, in reality, on a, on a track, he's a little faster than Blake, not as nifty-shifty left and right. Strong, powerful, but straight-line speed, you, you have a hard time catching that guy. And so we finished out the Illinois game that Blake got hurt in at half. The play before the half almost that he got hurt. Second half, we weren't the same because Donovan wasn't playing, okay, because he's been nursing injuries all year. And then we play uh, Ohio State the next week. And, I mean, Donovan Edwards steps up big in the fourth quarter, and we nail him. He had two plus 75-yard runs. And that just put the nail in the coffin. And then we played Purdue, same thing. Slow to start, slow to start, then unleash Donovan Edwards. And uh, and then he really did a nice effort out there against TCU. Broke the first one. and then But they just bottled us up. I mean, whether it was 
being hitting our head against the wall a bit too much. But uh, he is a big time back. And Blake might have made a few shiftier runs against our opponents during those three or four games, but we didn't really, really drop off, you know, that much. Does that go back to the fact that you talk about you're going to be an inside running team and it doesn't matter who you line up back there? Oh, yeah. You're going to just. And we've, we've had the best and... voted offensive line in the country for two years in a row. The Joe Moore Award went to the Wolverines two straight years. Never been done. So we were good up front, and we were good in the backfield. Uh, and TCU offered that 33 nickel. Uh, and you've got to be careful how you attack that. I mean, if you're just going to be stubborn and go right at it, you might have problems versus, like you saw Georgia, run around it most of the time. I mean, they hit them in the middle a few times, but they did pin and pulls, and then they just went around. They went opposite of flow, kind of. They're, they're all in a matchbox in there because they're only tackle to tackle, right, with 33 mm-hmm. nickel. You don't have a lot of edge support real quick, and Georgia took advantage of that, perhaps maybe better than we did in the running game. Yeah. You got a pretty good quarterback, too. Oh, we got a great quarterback. Uh, you know, Jim made a tough decision back in uh, – because we had a quarterback, Caden McNamara, who took the Wolverines to the same heights right. as last year. Went to the semis, won, beat uh, Ohio State. Yeah. Um, and he, he's the one who went through spring training and fall camp. <clears throat> J.J. missed all of spring with a shoulder injury. Right. <clears throat> but once you saw this young man, and to Jim's credit, you know, he kind of uh, not necessarily pulled everybody, but just said, tell me what you think. Looking at it from a naked eye from your vantage point, you know, you're a defensive guy, tell me what you think watching these two guys. He went around different people and asked him that, even though you knew down inside he had his mind made up. <laughs> but he just wanted to be – Assured and kind of make it feel like a joint decision. It's a pretty big decision. It was a big decision, but I said, my my voice to him was, Jim, we we probably would win games one through eight with either quarterback, but I said if we want to win games nine through fifteen, ten through fifteen, there's only one guy that can make the difference in those games because you have to bring the legs into play sure. and become more diversified. But anyway, he made that decision after that second or third game. Kate ended up getting hurt, never did come back. That kind of cleaned it up, right, even though it put us right. on alert that we didn't have the depth. But J.J. just had an outstanding year. He's a great young man, a great kid. He's only a sophomore, so yep. we have him back for sure. Yep. And uh, tremendous worker, tremendous athlete. I think there's still another level in his game, and he had some big games. I mean, uh, we threw a lot of run actions in, these, in this season where we didn't connect. I mean, he got a strong arm yeah. and overthrows him. Maybe he didn't put enough air under it and all that sort of thing. But, I mean, it all came to came to form in the Ohio State game. They were so locked in on our stopping our run game right. that we couldn't beat them with a quarterback, and we threw for five plays over 50 yards each. And that just killed them, you know. Yeah, they say you want to have an offense and defense in lockstep. That's right. They want to be complementary to each other. You guys are pretty darn complimentary uh, to each other. We're right? as good as anybody. Georgia, I know, think they're similar. Sure. Oh, yeah. But we are the epitome of uh, teamwork in football and uh, situational football and complimentary football. Uh, we can stop the run because our offense tries to run it at us every day, right. and we learn how to stop it. So toughness, uh, the ability to run, stop the run comes into play. Uh, the way our offense – I mean, we, I've talked to Jesse a number of times. We could get by just about playing against our offense every day in practice, I mean, for the entire practice, and be pretty well prepared 
for any opponent that we see. That's real complimentary football yes. that they offer. Inside run, outside run, pin and pull, gap plays, man block plays, zone block plays, boots, nakeds, drop backs, rollouts. I mean, that's just how much you're going to face. So we're a little bit of a spread team. We're a little bit less than most people, right. even though our quarterback could outrun about any quarterback operating in a spread offense. But they want to protect him to a degree also. You know, the Big Ten has a reputation. The SEC is kind of passed by everybody. I'm a Big Ten guy. Grew up in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, Tony mocks a lot. The Big Ten football is boring, and they're slow, and they're plodding. And Speaking it's, of Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, no. That's, well, maybe not anymore. That's right. Maybe not anymore. It's a great hire. Here's a school that to get Luke Fickle and to great bring hire. in an offensive coordinator that's going to spread the ball. That's I mean, right. this is a weird – it's going to be a weird day in Madison, Wisconsin, right. to see him throwing the football around. But is the league – I mean – Have they gone to the dark side, as yeah, you call it? Does the league prepare you for playing the Alabamas and Georgias? Other than Ohio State, does that league prepare you for you that? You know, you got to look at it right now, and I do think it will change in the West – there was a time Wisconsin dominated, right? You know, you know that, and they were physical, big old strong yeah. physical. So yeah, you could match up against that kind of symbolic of an SEC O line type. Nebraska's the team I think that still got a whole ways to go, but they're on the brink. And Matt Rule will bring that toughness. He'll run the football there. So you got two blue blood programs in Nebraska, and I put Wisconsin in that category with the job Barry did there for 15 years. It's a it's a have program, not necessarily a have not program. Right, right. Uh, they're going to make a big difference. You got PJ Fleck doing what he's doing over in the West. Uh, Bobby or uh, Jeff Brom did a kind of a Petrino style, you know, which he threw the ball all over the right. place. Uh, Ohio State's Ohio State. Michigan State was great when they had Walker. Penn State's going to be good again next year because they've got these two freshman running backs this year. Uh, the Big Ten will be better next year than it was this year. We caught our schedule, to be honest with you. Three cakewalks to go in. Yep. And then you just kind of look at everybody. Iowa was down. Yeah. And yeah. Iowa is tough as nails. I mean, you are, you can't – they end up, what, going eight and four again. They can play defense. Oh, they, they, can can't defense. Gain, they can't gain three yards, but they, they can play the, defense. And they can run the ball. Right. But they didn't have a quarterback no. this year, nor did they, their best receiver transfer to Purdue. Yeah. And he's the kid that almost, you know, gave us fits in that uh, title game. So our quarterback, Cade, and the tight end, Eric All, kind of an All-American type, they're going to be playing for Iowa next year. Now, we don't play them unless we met them in a game. But but, uh, they will certainly add immense uh, proficiency to that offense over there at Iowa. They are just the salt of the earth. The way you coach and play is Iowa football. Uh, that doesn't change. No, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to matter. Kirk's been there forever. That's right. You know, USC and UCLA are coming. Yep. Kind of like Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Yeah. What, how does that change the dynamic, do you think? You know, I didn't personally like the expansion. I know we're now kind of a coast-to-coast Big Ten, you know, yeah. L.A. to New York, basically. New Jersey, with yeah. New Jersey. Yeah. Um, I think that if you had to say – who does it benefit to expand like we're expanding? It's not the same with uh, the SEC. They're just kind of taking one step over to the state that they've always recruited, and A&M's already there, right. and just kind of made the rivalries that more intense. But it hasn't changed the dynamics of recruiting. This has a chance to change the dynamics in recruiting, but who's it going to benefit? I don't think personally it benefits us immensely. No, now, Ohio think. State, they hit California hard. We have a few good players on our team from California. But if you're Lincoln Riley at SC or Chip, and Chip came to Detroit and got the best quarterback in the Midwest, 
okay? But if they were to able to come across the, the northern plains and get through the Midwest and get big linemen yes. and toughness because of uh, now in the same league, I think it benefits them uh, versus us be able to go out there and get a difference maker or two just mm-hmm. because, hey, I want to go play in Ann Arbor, Michigan, right? Yeah. I mean, who in <laughs> – you know, not necessarily in the right mind, but the kids out there aren't flocking to the cold country. No, the no. cold country kids are to flock to L.A. If it's NIL deals and it's the ability to keep coming back home, back and forth to play football. Yep. So I think they kind of benefit more than I think what we benefit. We got a kid playing a Tamu T that's from the Bahamas. We can't figure it out. <laughs> What's he doing yeah, yeah. here? Why come to All right, we got to take a time out. We'll take a break. We're a little bit late on it. That's Rick Minter that you're hearing. It's uh, awesome visiting with the uh, – Really just expert defensive guy and a uh, coach for the University of Michigan Wolverines. We'll take a break. We'll come right back. Quick timeout. We'll turn it around and do some more here on Leaving the Yard. Welcome back. 25 minutes till 6 o'clock, leaving the yard. Zach and the Professor here on the Fan 1079. Rick Minner hanging out with us this afternoon talking a bunch of football. And you had a question before the break. Well, I want to get into what was your official title this year, Coach? I am an analyst. Uh, explain to people, because we hear that a yeah. lot now, and it's almost uh, Coach Emeritus in some places. Well, in or? a way, it depends on what – place yeah. you work well, at at the university of michigan what did it mean to it's you? uh it, it's done very legally <laughs> first first yeah. and foremost oh yeah um but really i'm i'm there uh, to serve in a capacity to assist the coaches now in this case it's a unique dynamic because one of the coaches the guy in charge happens to be related to me and uh while we try to keep it as much as possible co-worker i've got advice i've got work to do he's got leadership to show and demonstrate it, it can get a little crossed at times because of both of our dynamics. But uh, it's a great opportunity. It's fun to do. And I break run. He's assigned me to break down the running game. So that's where I spend my time doing. And then I make a presentation to the staff. Uh, another analyst by the name of Doug Mallory. His father was Bill Mallory. Yeah. Okay. Doug's 59. He, he and Jim played ball together at Michigan. So that's one reason Doug's there. Uh, been in the league, been in college. And uh, he does a tremendous job breaking down our red zone. And we played really well in the red zone. And each week on Saturdays after the game, I'm, I'm telling you, it's so funny. It would always be, hey, Doug, thanks for showing us that route. Thanks for showing us that run. You know, that, that right. he was so thorough in his preparation that made Jesse be prepared, made our kids be prepared. And we played great red zone defense all year. But uh, I do the runs. Doug does the red zone. Uh, other guys do the run, you know, the passing game, the third downs, the short yardage, the goal line. It's all kind of by committee. And Jesse does a wonderful job of being the CEO and says, okay, Sunday night, Dad, you're up. And I start around 7 and go for about a half hour of here's what they do in the run game. I make a presentation through video and a little bit of a power principle. And uh, I'm just showing our coaches this is who they are, this is what they do. This is how they do it, it's who they do it with. 
uh, here's a couple of suggestions. Otherwise, we start talking about it and saying, well, let's display our base to this, this, this. And, and then the next morning, it's uh, first and second down pass comes up. So for about 40 minutes, that guy, uh, Steve Klinkscale, gets the floor. He makes a presentation. And just every day, Jesse has, or different times of the day, has different presentations. But that's what analysts do. So what can you not do? Cannot have interaction with the players. Cannot coach them in meetings. Cannot instruct them on the field. Cannot do anything on the field that helps us prepare, like hold cards and and uh, run the scout. Can't even run the scout team where you're not really coaching those guys, but you would be instructing these kids to run that card. Right. Can you so, say anything to them on the sideline on a Saturday? It's not that you never say anything. Because I see Patterson on the sideline down in Austin. Again, I said at Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, so you, are, are you down on the field? Yeah, I'm on the you're field. You're on the field, okay. I cannot be on headsets. Okay. Now, this yeah. started uh, two or three years ago because Nick – Nick Saban has probably given the credit for starting this whole phenomenon way back in 2000 uh, when he was at LSU. He had been in the league. He knew what it was like to have as many support staff as you could have. And then when particularly he went full circle, did the LSU thing, went to the league with the Dolphins, you know, for two, mm-hmm. and then finally got the Alabama job. And when he got the Alabama job, he really set that thing up as close to being like an NFL setup. So he said, and, and he knew so many people around the country and, he, and this analyst thing kind of started with if you were a coach in limbo, let's say you were fired at Butch Jones and all you these You call guys. it the car wash when you come on with Oh, this. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get a paint job. <laughs> I used to say you got a paint job, you know. But these head coaches that would be uh, fired but have a year or two left on their contracts for you didn't worry if you're Nick. Right. You didn't have to worry too much about paying them a lot of money. They'd come through there, maybe get 30 or 40 grand to give them health insurance and but then some other university that's still paying them. them. Yeah, let somebody else pay them and then lend their expertise. Sure. And he's never been afraid. That's one thing I like about Nick. He's never, I mean, when he hired Lane and Shark and all these guys, he's never been afraid to surround those guys yeah. who are the best and good at what they do. And that's really offense or defense. He knows in his own skin who's going to run the show and who's in charge. Yeah. And uh, But he started this. And then you begin to see on, up in the box – and on the sideline at the uh, Alabama games. I remember USA Today did a little article on it one time, and it said, like, count the number of shirts that have an A on it, you know, like uh, Alabama. Like, how many how many coaches do you have? Right. How much <laughs> personnel do you have? And they would pan the box, and there's all these guys up there, these ex-head coaches sitting up there with headsets on, and everybody had a role. Right. I mean, you're doing something worthy of value. And uh, so the NCAA finally stopped that two or three years ago where they said, one, if you are a, a, a grad assistant or an analyst and you're over 30 years old or, or you're out of college 10 years at least, you, you disqualify yourself from being that extra head in the box. Okay, so that made everybody have to come well, back down. I didn't down. realize it was that specific. Yeah, all that very specific. Uh, and I was talking to my buddy Ron Cooper, who a year ago, not this 22, but uh, yeah, tw- but 21, was an analyst for Nick. And, and Cooper and I go way back. So he told me exactly what they do in terms of inside. I right, will right. not say all those right, things. Right, right. But on game day. Their job, he was a secondary guy, and the other guy, Dave Huxtable, was kind of the front seven guy. And so their job was to be on the sideline, because that's where they had to be, 
and they saw the play unfold, runner pass, and they had to give us some young kids to help them a little bit, but they would draw every play, particularly the first half, draw every play, every pass, every protection, and draw it up on a pretty neat card. And then by halftime, all of these cards have been uh, transposed into the old overhead you guys probably might Jeez. use at school, yeah. <laughs> right? So the D coordinator in this case, or Nick, would be able to take that stack of 30 <clears throat> plastic overlays right. into the coach or into the player locker room, and when they did their adjustments, they could sit there and one by one they said, "All right, guys, here's was play number one. Boom, boom, boom. You got it. You got it. You got Instead it." Instead of laundering money, we're laundering play. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they just took them one by one yeah. and just showed them, or or the hot the 15 hot plays right, that they right, needed right. to show, and that's how they utilize it. But what I do on the sideline is get the call. I got an equipment guy standing next to me because he's, uh, he's legal. Legit, yeah. He's legal to wear one of these. <laughs> so Doug and I are standing just like this. I said, Sonny, what you got? What you got? He's on the headsets listening to Jesse. Jesse's on the side making the call. All the regular coaches and the box, of course, are listening. But Sonny gets it. The, the equipment guy, <laughs> assistant equipment guy, gets Jeez. the call and says, hey, we're running uh, plus lock, you know. I said, I got it. I got it. So I'm going to see if it's a running play and kind of make notes, right. if anything, of, of, of noteworthy. And Doug's going to see if it's a pass and make any notes. And we'll just keep our notebook, you know, if you will. And then at halftime, if we get asked or approached to say, hey, what you got, any suggestion, is there anything doing that surprised us? or You know, and they, they're doing the same thing. I mean, the regular guys are doing the same thing. Right. But uh, there's times when we might say something of worthiness, and there's times that they've already seen it, got it corrected. But that's what, that's what we do. Or it's 42 to 7 at halftime, and they just want to get out of there. That's right. <laughs> For your week, are, are you on this week's opponent, or are you working a couple of weeks ahead? Always, How does it work for always you? ahead. You're ahead. Yeah. Uh, by the time Sunday night's presentation comes, uh, that is the culmination. In other words, we played. Uh, Somebody yesterday. Okay. Next day, you got what we call clean up the old game. Go in there and watch it, critique it, correct it, and then uh, uh, have a staff meeting with Jim, and then everybody kind of start doing their work. And then by 6.30, we meet, and we get a preview, kind of the overview. Another guy does that. Mm -hmm. And then at 7, we're going to do the run game. Well, then on Sunday morning, I would have come in. I would have already worked for weeks ahead on the next team like Nebraska. And all I want to do on Sunday morning is get Nebraska's game yesterday, yesterday yeah. add it to it, kind of, uh, you know, edit it and add it and see what I want to do. And then by 7 o'clock, I'm ready to present. And the minute that's pre- – excuse me, the minute that's presented, for the most part, my work is done uh, for that game. For Nebraska. And I'm starting the next day or two yeah. looking at the next one. How many, far, how many games back do you go? If you're, if you're looking for Nebraska this week, how many games back uh, are you looking? During the regular season, we always did four to five. Okay. Okay. When we played the team down south and played Purdue and played TCU, we broke down oh, every yeah. game of the season yeah. just to make sure we didn't miss anything. Right. We didn't include it in the analytical breakdown, but I broke down every game right. to look at and view. And then I compile all the first my, – my job, not just run game, is first and second down run game. That narrows it down. That's not two minute. That's not in the red zone, and right. not so it takes it down. And I've I've got a cut up, a, a computerized cut up that once I break down all the film, push a button, and boom, I've got those 
hundred every week my four games or five games was always about a hundred plays yeah. so it's manageable as you watched the game last night you might have already had some knowledge of georgia oh i've already broken down all of georgia <laughs> so as you're watching last oh, yeah. night is that going anything. through your head as you're yeah. watching it was really hard to watch the game yeah. from the standpoint of you know that not sour milking but that should have been us i would have liked of that have to have been us to see what we would have done against that stuff that TCU let out so easily. You, you know? didn't see anything you weren't expecting? No, not really. Uh, they're not overly complicated. Right. I mean, they're really not in the run game. They're really do, not. There's, there, we saw what, obviously, Bowers adds to the passing game. Is he a, a part of their running game from his blocking? Or is a little bit, but they got that six, seven, two 260-pound yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> what makes Georgia so dangerous, and had we played them, that would have been our concern is they can line up, and you know a little bit of what I'm talking about with what we call looks, 10 looks, 11 looks, 12 looks, 21 looks. They can play 12 personnel. That's two tights, two wides, and one running quarterback, of course, but give you everything. And that means heavy looks, bunch looks, 11 looks, which means one tight end is in the box and Brock's out there wide out, and then 10 looks where both tight ends are spread out so those kind of teams, kind of like Jimmy Graham used to be in the NFL, you had to decide how do you play these guys. Do you play them in base? Well, when they're hunched in there, yeah, you'd rather be in base. But when they start spreading them out like 11 personnel, you much prefer nickel. And all they do is play the game. If you put nickel on the field, they're going to bunch you back up and hammer you a little bit. And if you put base on the field, they're going to find out if your outside linebacker can cover a pass. And he probably can't against that kind of tight end, you know. So it's a cat and mouse game, and they've got the they they're dealing from strength because their tight ends are so versatile and their scheme is so good, much like the Michigan scheme. They do the same thing. I mean, they they test us in all that. You're you're an NFL guy getting ready for draft day a year and a half from now. Are you taking the Bowers kid if he comes up on your uh, your turn? Absolutely. He's a bona fide NFL guy right yeah. now, but he just has to serve one more year yeah, sure. of, you know, in purgatory, <laughs> right? Gonna, he'll make a little money. Yeah, I'm athletes. sure he will. Well, you know what? These guys today, it's not like it quite used to be. No. Okay? <laughs> it used to be. I can't wait to get out of college to finally right, make some right. money. Now they can say, you know what? This is kind of a push. <laughs> you know, this old dude's taking care of me right here. I might just stick around again. Blake, I mean, Blake Corum. I mean, I heard Blake's comments, and I love the kid. He yeah. is absolutely Mr. Michigan football. But he's not starving to come back and hang in there and play college one more year. I know his motivation was all right. the correct way. I didn't want to see Michigan uh, see me limp off the field as my lasting memory. I, I'm a competitor. I want to get back on the field. I want to end it the right way. He wants to re-improve his draft stock because anytime you get hurt and that's the last yeah. game you played, your stock goes down a little Particularly bit. Particularly running back. I yeah, that's right. So the life of those guys aren't very long anyway. Yeah. So he made the right choice. But for him to come back – He'll be rewarded, you know, <laughs> to come back. And, uh, I mean, that's just the life we all live in right now. We're just too old. That's that's, that's what happened. We all just were born a little too <clears throat> soon. A yeah. quick break. We're coming back. Somewhere in the beginning of this conversation was a hope Jim Harbaugh comes back. We'll come back around okay. to that right after the break. All right. Here on Leaving the Yard. Zach and the Professor on the Fan. 107.9 with Rick Minner. They say consistency is the key to success. They weren't wrong. So how about grabbing a beer that's consistently smooth?
right, about 10 minutes till 6 o'clock. Welcome back. Leaving the yard. Chuck, Zach, Tony, Kirk with you here on The Fan 1079, <clears throat> leaving the yard. And uh, Rick Minner's in there. One more segment we're going to get before he gets to escape us and go uh, do part of his traditional routine when he's in Texarkana. Right. And it has nothing to do with ragweed. How about that? That's right. All right. You mentioned half hour ago, you hope Jim Harbaugh comes back. Yep. There's obviously murmurs out there. NFL teams are interested Right. He's beaten Ohio State now a couple of years in a row. He's gotten that you know 800-pound gorilla off his back. Yep. Whether or not you can ever win a national championship, select group, and it's you get one crack at that maybe once in a while. Yep. Um, he's been an NFL guy. He's having a he he overcame two years ago. We talked about Jesus Harbaugh going to last if you can't beat Ohio State another time. Right. It may be time to move on. Right. Well, he's done that now. You know. That game between we, – we talked about the rival game. Yeah. That game has defined many a coach's career. Yeah. I mean, good and bad. Those who can win that game consistently maintain their job for a long time, most often. Sure. And when you can't, it does catch up to you. But Jim got – you know, all of Michigan suffered for uh, two decades almost. But Jim reversed that a year ago, and we seem to kind of have their number now, at least how to play these guys. Right. Uh, Jim is a, a rock star. I mean, people have their opinion of Jim, kind of quirky here and there. But he, Jim Harbaugh is a tremendous rock star in coaching. <clears throat> he's he's a great college football coach. He's an NFL quarterback of 15 years. He's coached in the league a long time. Got to start coaching in the NFL as a quarterback coach. Mm-hmm. And then he ran the 49ers all the way to the Super Bowl. And uh, now working on his eighth or ninth year at Michigan with a good record back-to-back champion back-to-back and it's kind of like when he put a release out there and i know he it, it could possibly be a little more you know clear rather than cloudy but his response would be people at michigan are desired by people in the nfl be it our players or be it our coaches certainly referring to himself mostly and right now he's being desired by the group at denver all the ownership group, the brand-new ownership group that started a year ago that bought the team when Pat Boland passed away, are Stanford people. That's the connection. Yep. And they love him at Stanford. He did a great job at Stanford. Right. So there's instant connection to say, we want to talk to this guy. The Colts he played for, Jim right. Irsay may say, I want to talk to that guy. I mean, he's a winner. Sure. He's been a winner in the NFL, winner in college. He's a winner as a person. He's a coach's kid. I mean, he's just – as a as a all American type quarterback, he was an NFL quarterback, first rounder. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's got a lot going for himself, and he's still in the prime of his life. I yeah. mean, he is a young fifty nine year old. He's on a second marriage with elementary age kids. <laughs> okay, I mean, really, he's a hey, young keeps father. You young. He keeps yeah. you young. I mean, he <laughs> is, and uh, he's a tremendous guy. The culture he has developed at Michigan for just as an observer is unbelievable it really is unbelievable now as time goes on it's like kirby said last night and he made an interesting statement last night during his post-game comments and they said well what's the key to your success at uh, georgia you know and he says our guys love to work he says there's no entitlement at this time in our program and that's a key statement when he said that because I think that's what's coming with some of this NIL stuff. If sure. you don't watch out, it, it I think it probably consumed the A&M locker room and it made them take a left-hand turn. Uh, that's not in our locker room at all. 
and our guys love to work. Jim loves to practice. Jim is nothing but a gym rat of college football. Right. He loves to meet on offense. He loves to talk football. He loves to practice. Uh, our kids love that. I mean, his culture is unbelievable. It's a very selfless attitude at our place. It's a very spiritual attitude. I mean, we brought sp- uh, the spirituality into our program pretty good. Uh, he's got a wonderful, beautiful culture there.